All right, let's turn the Word of God to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We'll start there. Acts 9. Amen. Acts chapter 9, and we'll read verses 1 through 18 in Acts chapter 9. This is this familiar story. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, again, Lord, we praise you and worship you and glory in you and magnify you. And Lord, I pray that our desire is towards you. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for each one that's faithful to be in the house of God tonight and to listen in. Lord, we thank you for uh, watching over us. Thank you for uh, getting Sister Judy back uh, safely and giving her a good time with family there. We pray for those that are still traveling. Lord, we think of the Woods and Sister Myers and, and others that are on the road tonight. Please be with them and watch over them. Lord, the many sick among us uh, that have been mentioned, Sonny, Muxlow, Sister uh, Diane, Lord, please uh, touch these, dear God. We're, we are just uh, leaning upon Thee. And Lord, I'm glad that, Lord, we don't have to hang in there, but we're leaning on the everlasting arms. Lord, I'm glad that, uh, Lord, you're our refuge, and Lord, you're the lifter up of our head, and uh, dear God, you're uh, just all that we need tonight. And Lord, I pray that we just get off eyes off of self and situation and circumstances and just looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and allow him to help us uh, with what we need tonight. God, I pray you'd 
uh, strengthen each one in their mouth might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, just continue uh, to sustain thy children, dear God, as we rest in thee. Now again, help us through thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we uh, <coughs> look at a thought tonight, question, has your life uh, ever felt like it was just on a treadmill? Or uh, maybe uh, on a hamster wheel. Anybody have a hamster when they were a kid? Anybody have a hamster? Anybody got a hamster? Anybody? Huh? Do they? Do kids still get hamsters? Oh, I see. I see that hand. Right. And the way I remember having there, and I remember as a kid had a hamster, and he got he got loose, and one night we were sitting there, you know, as a kid, you know, black and white TV back in the day. And sitting there watching TV, all of a sudden I looked down and there was my hamster just sitting there watching TV with us. And we found, we, we found him. I don't know if he liked what we were watching, but yeah, but having a hamster. But sometimes we feel that way. We're just on that treadmill going nowhere fast or hamster wheel going nowhere fast. But you feel like you're running again, going through life. It seems like every day you're doing something, but it doesn't seem like you're really getting anywhere. Well, you know, sometimes we get that way. We feel like we're going nowhere. We feel like we're in a rut and, you know, it may make you want to quit because there does not seem to be a point maybe to what, what's going on in life at that time. Of course, in today's crazy world, we can get caught up in a lot of activities. But activity, again, remember, is not necessarily accomplishment. You know, a lot of times we think if we just get busy, you know, you got to be careful about that in the ministry. You know, I, th- I, I think about missionaries a lot when I think about that. Just a bunch of activity isn't necessarily accomplishment. You know, I, I, I always say one of the problems with missionaries a lot of times is their bodies overseas, but their brains in America. And they think that you know, they always got to be proved they're doing something new, you know, uh, to put in a prayer letter. And I always tell young missionaries, I said, don't get caught up in that, you know, find something, stay focused. And, uh, you know, sometimes people think they always have to be doing something, making a decision. And, you know, my thought was, you know, uh, I'd rather just make a few decisions and see the result of them. You know, I always didn't feel like, you know, a lot of times we put false pressure on ourselves thinking we always got to, you know, say we got a bunch of things going. But my, I'd say, hey, you know what? Hey, if I make two, three decisions in a year and I see the result of those, then, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. But a lot of times people will get something going, and before they get that done, they're on to the next thing. But uh, better to get, get, a, get a few things done and make a few decisions. But sometimes, you know, we're running around, and, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're accomplishing something. And, of course, no one ever gets anywhere on a treadmill. And after a while, of course, all that movement just going around becomes meaningless. And that's a lot of times why we get weary. You know, the Bible says don't get weary in well-doing, but that's why we get weary in well-doing because we're trying to do well, but we're just running around in circles. But again, good news, God has saved us, amen, and he saved us for more to do something and to give us a vision and put something in our heart. That's the key. I like that. Not to give us a vision and to put something in our heart that will drive us, right? Be a driving force in our life as we serve him. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, right? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God saved us. He wants to give us some things to do. And he wants to accomplish some things in his name. 
So when we find and follow, right, when we find and follow what God has for us, we live, right, knowing life has a point where accomplish something. And when we live with the vision God gave us, right, we see here Paul got a vision. When we live with the vision God gave us, like Paul's vision here, it will guide the way, will have guidance, it will clarify our priorities and give us meaning and fulfillment, and the best of all, God's will will be achieved in our life. So, of course, you know, uh, God's uh, complete word shows the big picture or the big purpose for the church. But, uh, and so we know God has a big purpose for the church here on earth, but we need to remember all believers, right, and have a, God has a personal purpose for all believers in our life, and that purpose will align with God's big picture in the church. And it'll align with His purpose, and of course, being guided by His Word, it'll align with His principles. Because, of course, anything that is going on that doesn't align with His principles is not from God. So, as believers, right, you know, sometimes we, you know, we, 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 we can over-spiritualize things. You know, sometimes we do. You know, uh, uh, God's a practical God, and, and He's practical in life, and sometimes we try to over-spiritualize things. And sometimes if we just, you know, uh, look at the opportunities that come into our life, right? We always think, you know, like, like Paul, there has to be that big shining light, you know, saying this is the way, walk you in it. Well, you know, he'll guide us in those things. But sometimes if we just, as we're trying to serve the Lord and we're just faithfully day by day trying to do his will, if we just look at the, the opportunities that come across our path that can show us something. Or if we look at some of the abilities, you know, that God gave us abilities and talents. And so he wants to give opportunities uh, to use those things. Or we think about our passions or, you know, the desires, things that we enjoy uh, uh, doing, you know, uh, or have a lot to do with what God's will and purpose might be in our drive. Sometimes you just say, hey, well, you know, what do you enjoy doing? You know, uh, God will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, if you're trying to walk in his will and you're trying to do right, he's, you know, he's, he's given you uh, uh, desires uh, in your life. And so God often uses these things, the opportunities that come into our life and our abilities and maybe some uh, passions in our life. God uses these things along, of course, with his supernatural guidance through his word and through his spirit to give us direction in life. Right. Again, that doesn't mean we're all going to have a, a, a Damascus uh, a, a road uh, ex, uh, experience. But, you know, as we walk with God and we're sensitive to God, we'll know that it is God directing us. Perhaps, you know, even just going through life, you might notice a, a need that someone has. Example, you know, uh, uh, Ari mentioned about uh, Patrick tonight. You know, right now. OK, well, here. Here's a need. So, you know, somebody we know has a need. Well, hey, what does that mean? There's an opportunity. Hey, am I someone? Hey, he needs, uh, uh, he, he, li he likes a uh, soup. Well, I just happen to have grandma's, you know, favorite recipe and I enjoy making it. So maybe I'll, you know, there you go. There's an opportunity uh, uh, with Patrick right there. And, you know, I tell you what, hey, I'll, I'll make it if uh, you'll drive it over there. Or, hey, you know, hey, I can't make soup, but hey, you know, I'm pretty much free in the afternoons. I can. I can drive it there. And so here, you know, look at opportunities that God is presenting right there in front of you. And those can be things that will lead you into God's will even for that day. Noticing a need, then recognizing you have the skills or gifts that would work towards meeting that need. 
You know, God, God stirs your heart, right? Will stir your heart with a call to action as you see those things, as you're seeking His will. And again, it could be something that you maybe work on alone and have an opportunity, or maybe as a team within the church. But as we uh, seek God's will and seek God's direction, God will give the power, wisdom, and resources to achieve the goal when it's from Him. I mean, I, I, I look back and I see, uh, I look over everything that I feel like God put in my heart uh, since I've been in the ministry over 30 years and, and everything that I really thought was God's will. I've always seen Him uh, meet the need and bring it to pass. So I know that's true. But after we begin to follow God's direction again, right? He's not necessarily going to, uh, you know, like, like Google. Sometimes when you punch something in Google, it'll show you the whole uh, the, the, you know, the whole trip, and then you hit start, then it zooms in. Uh, God rarely gives us the, that, you know, zooms out and shows us the whole trip. It's usually just, you know, peace, but it's usually turn here, you know, left here. Whoops, you did it the wrong way, do a U-turn. You know, he gives it to us step by step, but as we keep traveling, he'll continue to reveal it to us. And so the passion he puts in our heart and the power from his hand combine to achieve the purpose that he has for us. And it's always better to walk God's path than be stuck on a treadmill. And so, uh, just a little overview, as we look at Paul, right, we notice some things about him. One, there was no doubt that he had passion and zeal for whatever he did, right? He gave his all. Even before he was saved, he was a person that gave his all. We see that again in Acts 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Boy, he had a mission from the high priest and he had a zeal to accomplish that. And he talked about that often when he gave his testimony about how he was even before he got saved. Let me give you some examples. He said this, uh, in Galatians, uh, verses 13 and 14, when he was writing to them. He says, Ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Right? How that beyond measure. He said, man, I listen, I, I, even though uh, I wasn't doing right, or I thought I was, man, I, I went the extra mile. That, that, how that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And he says this in verse 14, and profited in the Jews' religion. He said, man, I was, I was doing pretty good as far as the religion was concerned. Above many my equals in my own nation. Why? Being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. He said, man, I went beyond measure. He said, I did above my equals. He says, I was exceeding jealous even though I was uh, outside of God's will, that was just, you know, the type of person I was. And of course, uh, before he got saved, the Bible shows us he had, he had connections, he had talent, and of course he had intellectual capacity. No doubt he's a very intelligent man. It says this when he's given his testimony in Acts 22, uh, beginning in verse 3. He said, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamil. And of course, that was one of the great leaders of Israel. You see him mentioned in a couple places, 
right? One of the, the great mentors of that time. And taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God. There it is again, zealous toward God as ye are this day. And I persecuted this way into death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest thus bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem to be punished. And, and so uh, you see that, uh, that, that uh, uh, testimony that uh, he had there about even before he was saved, he was, a, he was a zealous person, he was a passionate person, he gave his all. But here's the problem, he, he had all that ability, but it was outside of God's control and God's direction before it got saved. So what was it? It was all wasted potential. Wasted potential. Boy, when I go around and I meet people and I see they have these talents and they have ability and they're successful at what they do, and I think, you know, to the world that looks good, but I see a lot of wasted potential because uh, they do that for self and not for the Lord. It was all wasted. But finally, as we see here in Acts 9, he got saved. And then now all those talents and abilities and that passion uh, that he had to accomplish something for God was under God's power and being used for God's purpose that he had for Paul. And that's what we want. There's no, hey, you could have all these great abilities and boy, you think of all those intelligent people out there and, you know, I mean, you know, think of Elon Musk and all that. Hey, that's great that people have that ability. But boy, when it's not being used for the purpose of God for their life, it's wasted potential. But thank God that Paul got saved and now all those abilities and all those desires that he had can now be used for God's purpose for his life and to the glory of God. And God had a will for his life. It says in verse 15 of Acts 9 there, but the Lord said, this is what he said about Paul, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God had a specific direction for Paul's life. And he has a specific direction for our life. So note, after he gets saved and serving. Now, you know what he talked about before? He says, he says you know, I worked harder than my equals. I achieved more than my equals. And he, he talked about all that ability. But once he got saved, boy, did his spirit change about who he gave glory for what he did. After he got saved and he was serving, he does not boast in or credit his zeal but he realizes now it's not about uh, his intellectual ability. It's not just about uh, his talent that he had. It's not just about the, the, the desires uh, uh, to be better than everyone else. But he realized, amen, that it was God's grace in his life that he now achieved things. He said this in 1 Corinthians 15, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He said, listen, my, my, all my pursuits before I got saved were in vain. But when God saved me and called me to this task, amen, God was not wasting his time because I have pursued what he called me to do. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So you see a different spirit how he talks about the achievements he had before he got saved versus the things that he's achieving now that he is saved. He realizes the grace of God working in us through his lives. So Paul got his life's purpose 
and vision from God. He gave this in his testimony in Acts 26. When you go through Acts, uh, Paul could hardly talk without giving his testimony. But I think about Sister Sarah today. Uh, those those uh, dear, uh, uh, those uh, ladies came in to try and help her and see how she was doing physically and mentally to see if she was you know ready to go home or you know what what uh, what you know uh, whatever level she has to reach for that. And man, they were firing off questions. And uh, to say it nicely, she wasn't too excited about uh, uh, all that what they were trying to do and. And she, she'd say something or do something. She'd say, oh, I'm sorry. And she'd say, oh, I'm sorry. And then, but then, but before they left, she's like, uh, she just said, you know, do you girls know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Boy, if you don't, you're missing out. And I, 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 the way they sort of responded, it didn't look like they really knew much about what she was talking about. But, uh, boy, she, she, uh, she, despite whatever she said when they were, you know, saying raise your hands and lift your leg and all that stuff, amen, she finished off uh, by getting, because you know what, just, you know, of course, you know, we're, things happen and we can get cranky and this and that. And sometimes, you know, when we're uh, in the hospital, we don't know what all's going on. But listen, when it's in your heart, you, you know, sooner, if you, if you get talking for anybody length of time, it just, it just automatically uh, uh, flows out. Boy, if, if, if you can talk to somebody in amount of, any amount of time and not say something about the, the Lord, not even trying to consciously witness to him in that sense, like, okay, here's an opportunity to witness, but you just get talking to somebody and something doesn't come out about the, the Lord in a shortened amount of time, hey, most people, it just, hey, you sort of get the can't help it. So it just sort of uh, begins to, to, to flow out of you. And that's how, uh, that's how Sister Sarah was today, and that's how Paul was about any time he talked. Here he says in Acts 26, beginning of verse 19, he says, Whereupon, giving his testimony about what happened on Damascus Road, then he says this, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And what was that vision? Well, you see it in verses 17 and 18 of 26, which was this. God said, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, the Lord said, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. This was Paul's vision. This was Paul's purpose in life to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith in me. All right, so God called him to the Gentiles. And so we, just like he specifically called Paul to something, we need to ask God to help us. We need a vision from God. Note before, but here's something we need to notice. Before Paul got this vision from God, he first got a, had to get a proper vision of God. That's the key. You know, uh, a lot of people want something from God, but they don't have a proper vision of God. To get anything from God, you first have to have a proper vision of God. And you see that, go back to Acts 9, right? God shows up, and of course, God calls him to the Gentiles and says, I got some great things for him, but he didn't get anything from God. He didn't get a vision from God till he first got a proper vision of God. And we see that in verses 5 and 6 of Acts 9. Because what's the first thing he said? Who art thou, Lord? He didn't know who that was, but he knew whoever just showed up that that guy was in control, that that guy was the Lord. He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Right? Because ever since 
uh, he was there and uh, oversaw the martyr of Stephen. I guarantee it, right? There, there was, God was convicting him. Boy, I guarantee that, 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 that what happened there on that day of that martyrdom played over and over in his mind and convicted him and dealt with his, dealt with his heart. And, Acts, and verse 6 says this, And he trembling and astonished said, look at this, as soon as he got a proper vision of who God was, what was the first words out of his mouth? Lord, what will thou have me to do? Well, once you understand who the Lord is and you believe in him, the next words are, God, what do you have me to do? What's your will for my life? What's your purpose for my life? That's why I say it all the time. I can't understand how anybody can say they're saved and not have a desire to serve God and be sold out to God and do his will. That's an automatic. We see that right here with Paul. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, go. That's what he's going to say to you. Go, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Boy, the moment you get a proper vision of God, you're going to want a proper vision or purpose from God for your life. <coughs> if our, because if our vision of God is not right, then nothing else will be right in our life. <coughs> so that's a good question. How big is your God? You say, well, I've got needs tonight. I got a lot going on. Man, I got all these big things I'm dealing with in my life. Well, how big's your God? He's big enough. And here's a question. What vision do you have of him. What is your vision of God? You say, well, I want a vision from God. Well, before you, you know, you say, I want a vision from God, for, ask yourself, do I have a proper vision of God? Because when we see God for who he truly is, one, it, it creates accountability to him and him alone, and a vision of God, right, will demand action and require faith. So again, Paul, as soon as he got the proper vision of God, what it do? It stirred up a desire for action to serve God. What will thou have me to do? And Lord, uh, uh, let me step out by faith and do it. And let me give you a couple reasons why, of course, we know it requires faith, but it requires faith. One, well, because it cannot be done in the flesh. <laughs> Two, it requires faith because of the opposition we're going to face. Acts 19, then the Lord told him that. Acts 9, 16, for I will show him, when he's talking to Ananias, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. Anybody who's never, who's not facing, has never faced real opposition in their Christian life, they've never really attempted something great for God. Because I tell you what, I've faced a lot of opposition. If you are going to have to suffer in this life, and you will, look and notice this, what did he say? It just didn't say, show him how great things he must suffer, but he said, for my name's sake. If you're going to have to suffer in this life, and you will, right? It rains on the just and the unjust. The uh, lost people have to deal with things just like uh, we do. If you're going to have to suffer in this life, again, you will, better for his name's sake. So at least if we go through something and it's for his name's sake and it's while serving him, there's eternal benefit and reward in the end. Of course, and then it requires faith just because we want to please and glorify God. So uh, God showed uh, uh, Paul, he got a proper vision of God. Then he got a great vision from God and found his purpose for his life. So I finish up here. I love these verses in Nehemiah which sort of go along with this thought in Nehemiah. 
Remember when uh, uh, Nehemiah went to Jerusalem, it says this in Nehemiah 2, verses 11 and 12. Nehemiah 2, 11 and 12 says this. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. In verse 12, he says, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man, notice these words, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast I rode upon. Notice those words. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart. What a wonderful thing it is to say as a believer that my God put something in my heart, amen, specifically that he has for me to do according to his will and his purpose and his glory. Well, I, I, again, uh, looking back over the Christian life as you do, what a wonderful thing. to be able to say, oh man, uh, I did this and I did that. I got to be part of this and I got to be part of that. Oh no, not because I'm anything, but oh man, that's just simply, amen, what God in his grace, what God in his mercy, that's the vision he gave me. That's the purpose he gave me. That's what he put in my heart to do for him. And we should all have that testimony that God put something in my heart to do for him. What a joy to say God put something in my heart, not talking about salvation. A lot of times when we talk about that, you know, people just give that reverence to salvation. Hey, listen, uh, he did something in my heart when he saved me. Amen. I'm glad he did something in my heart when he saved me. But after he did something in my heart, I'm glad he also put something in my heart, right? He, he saved me on May 19, 1987. Then he called me to preach on July 6, 1987. So I'm glad he did something in my heart that year, but then he also put something in my heart. Amen? That has been a driving force in my life for service for him all these years. And we should all want to have that testimony. Right? Again, that's not talking about salvation. That's what, uh, Nehemiah wasn't referring to his salvation. That is talking about a personal vision, a per per personal mission, a personal purpose that God put in that believer's life. And what a, a good prayer it would be to pray, God, put something in my heart. God, thank you for what you did in my heart, but I want to know there's something that you put in my heart, amen, and for me to do for you. So the God of Paul's day is the God of today. Paul's purpose in life was not about things, but about God and his mission in the world. So we saw Saul's zeal and passion, amen, was transformed by the power of God, and then he was used to fulfill God's purpose. So, hey, thank God for all that ability you have, amen, and, uh, you know, uh, you may have all that talent. You may have that intellectual capacity. That's one thing I missed out on, amen. But uh, I know most of you are, are smarter than me. That's fine. And I, I'm not offended by that. And everybody can be a brain surgeon. Amen. I'll just ask me to hand you the scalpel. I'll be glad to do it. Amen. Hey, maybe I can't be the brain surgeon, but I can hand you the scalpel. Amen. <laughs> While you're doing it. Amen. Pass something along. But just as uh, Paul, amen, he had all that before he got saved, but once he got saved, it had purpose. And so it was transformed by the power of God. And that should be the same desire in my life. Lord, thank you for what you did in my life. But Lord, I want to be able to go through life not just saying you did something in my heart, but you put something in my heart. Amen. That drives me forward on a daily 
basis in faithful service to you. Let's pray.